God be the glory. Amen. I would love to be sitting on high right now. None of us can ever be God, but I would just love to sit beside him and have him replay what was just sung to him. You all were so amazing, so magnificent. And I'm sitting there and I didn't want to sing because my voice was just going to mess things up. (laughs) I just wanted to listen. Wow, what an anointing these folks have on them. Voices mixed to perfection. Everything just going beautiful before the Lord. And as I was listening to your voices, as you sing to the glory of God, I was thinking about what the Lord is about to show us in His Word. In spite of the glorious appearance of Christ in the earth, in spite of all his wonders and amazing things that he had done, people still rejected him. No matter how beautiful you ladies get up and sing and the musicians play, people are still going to reject you because of who you represent. And they're not rejecting you, but Jesus said they're rejecting him. And when they reject him, they're rejecting the one who had sent him. That's God himself. And so, but this morning in this place, God didn't reject you. (laughs) God is pleased from what he's hearing and seeing. And I was resonating and I said, God, Forgive me for my sins. And I was praying, God, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need your presence. I need your help, Jesus. And God, you're not doing it alone, son. And think about this man that we're getting ready to look at. For the very first time in the history of the church, this young beautiful bride that's upon the earth because that's what the church is the bride of Christ is about to experience her very first martyr because this man anointed with God's spirit refused to back down refused to shut up Miss Marie he refused to allow the religious establishment To shut him up. Because he had seen the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit. Within himself. He knew Jesus lived in him. And he knew the truth of the gospel. And and, and keep in mind. That was on Matthew. Mark. Luke. Or John. The book of Acts didn't exist. Or the epistles of Paul. James and Jude didn't exist in the writings of John, 1st and 2nd 
And third John and Revelation did not Revelation won't be written until years into the future. The Gospel of John won't be written until years into the future. Maybe about thirty years. And the gospel that this man is about to bring is the gospel of the Torah. The gospel of the Pentateuch. He's going to cover with his countrymen as what we know it, the Old Testament. And he's about to point out the original gospel that hit the earth began with the patriarch Abraham. And he's going to bring that gospel forward and he's going to point out a long course history. The history of man, the history of Israel in the gospel message as we know it. And he's going to put mile markers along the way and say, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is Messiah. And this one, this is where you killed him. And he doesn't even know, and maybe it did, by the Holy Ghost, that that very statement is going to cost him his life. He didn't know that he was just moments from death. Stephen didn't know that in a short while, while breathing his last breath, that he's going to be able to look up into heaven into the other dimension and see Jesus standing at the right hand of God looking at him my what's some love and at the same time one of the killers is standing in the background God already got his mark up on him God has already picked him. And he's going to make him far more effective than Stephen ever did. Watch it. Watch what the Holy Spirit does here today. And you ask God, Lord, am I next? Am I to be in either one of these men's position?" Because surrounded this brother is an army of demons pushing an establishment to quieten him. Thinking they're doing God a service. Thinking that they're doing what's right in the eyes of the living God. And understand this. Jesus had just told his disciples a short while early before he was killed. He said, they're going to put some of you out of the synagogue. And they're going to beat some of you. Scourge means they're going to really beat them bad. And then he said, and they're going to kill some of you. It's about to become a liberality here, folks. So the cost is high. When Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. That means you got to be prepared to die because the cross is an instrument of what? Death. And watch what this man does. Let's go to before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now 
In the precious name of your son Jesus. Lord, you knew the moment that you picked Stephen to be your disciple. What his life was going to be like. You established and you laid it out. And you knew he would be the first martyr of your church. Stephen is with you now. He's happy. I mean, his body's dead, yes, but he's very much alive. Because you're alive. And Lord, this is where you call all of us your children to be. If we can't reach this point in our lives, then we're not, we don't belong to you. Because you said, he who seeks to save his life shall lose his life. But he who loses his life for your sake will gain it. And so, Lord, as we listen to your word, speak to our spirits by your Holy Spirit. Help us to prepare our hearts and minds and our spirits and our body to be completely sold out to you like this brother was. Now, Holy Spirit, we, the children of God in Christ Jesus, are eager to hear what you, the Spirit of the living God, has to say to us, the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we were able to look at the indictment that they had brought against Stephen. A very trumped up indictment. False witnesses. Similar to that in which they did Lord Jesus. So the old tradition is still at work. And we still see the faithfulness, the power of God's Spirit still being the same as it was with Jesus is also with Stephen. Showing you and I that God does not change. God didn't abandon his son Jesus and he's not abandoned his son Stephen. As Jesus faced a hostile crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and Pilate said, what has he done? And they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. Oh, they had no idea what they were asking for. God's son, purchased by the blood of Jesus, is now standing in a similar persecution position because he under anointing of the Holy Spirit is speaking the truth to his countrymen they refuse to abide by the gospel of Jesus Christ they refuse to align their lives with the truth of God they rather to continue to believe in the tradition of men Because that's what the religious leader had thrown on the Israelites. Their traditions. Oh, you can't eat unless you do what? Wash your hands. Oh, you it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Or you can't do this and you can't do that. They put all kind of burdens on these people. And weighed them down. Rather than giving them the simple gospel of the scriptures. Which pointed them to Jesus. And now... Because you got a young man who refused to live in that kind of system because he had tasted the good news of Jesus and know that it's true. And now he wants others 
to experience that truth and to live for that same truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to signify what this brother was doing is true according to the spirit of the living God God allowed him to perform signs and wonders and miracles just like Jesus so there was no disparity between Jesus and his children as a father gave it to Jesus Jesus gives it to us and we give it to the world that's the way it's supposed to be. This is what this man is doing. Look with me, please, in chapter 7 of the book of Acts. Let's take a look even further. Here's the word of God. After they had put Stephen, brought all the accusation of false witnesses against him. Then the high priest said, are these things so? Uh, Mr. David and I are the only two here that have worked law enforcement. He has a great number of years more than I. And I have a degree in law enforcement. I used to teach criminal law. And we understand that if the evidence is stacked against you, you're going down. Okay? In this case, they have stacked false evidence against this man. And they've used something that is so precious to Israel against them. And what's that? Moses and the law. That's what they've used against this brother. When the world can't get anything else, they'll go for what it knows. Okay? So Stephen is now being accused of blasphemy. Blasphemy against Moses and blasphemy against the word of God, the law. So, the way that was set up, this brother, no matter which way he turned, he was going to get a death sentence. Are you seeing it? If it was against Moses, that great patriarch, that great prophet of God, they were going to get him for speaking evil against Moses. And if it was against the word, the law, they were going to get him. So he was in a what we call a twix. He couldn't go to the left or to the right without being condemned and set up for failure. And here's the other thing, too, that you're going to see. They violated Rome's law themselves. Because you remember when they went to Pilate about Jesus and they said, our law requires that such one be put to death. But we don't have the authority to put anyone to what? To death. Do y'all remember that? And so that's why they went to the Roman governor, Pilate, in order to have Jesus crucified. But look at it now. You're going to see a different set of circumstances and people taking a different kind of action in their own hands. They're not going to even go to the Romans. They're going to take care of this themselves. This is going to show you how the enemy have rearranged things and shifted some stuff to try and stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, <clears throat> the high priest now is asking him, everything they just said against you, what we just seen in chapter 6, is it true? In verse 2, he said, brethren and fathers, listen. Listen, I, I, I'm going to tell you, that statement there is a preparatory statement. 
He is preparing them for what? To hear the gospel. He's getting ready to get them. He said, doggone it, I know these jokers about to kill me, but I'm going to give it to them one last time, hoping to do what? Save some of them. Even though his life is on the line, he's still with even more passion, more power, more anointing of the Holy Spirit to trying to convert his lost countrymen. And that's the way we have to be. You have to go beyond yourself and be willing to make the sacrifice so that someone else's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because Jesus did it for you and he did it for me. He went to the cross. He didn't hold back. Even when it was painful when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did he come down off the cross and say, this is too hard. He going, this is too hard, Dad. I'm getting down. I'm coming back home. I'll bump them. Let them go. No, he stayed there. Because if you read Psalms 22, you see the rest of the story. Okay? So Stephen is a man that is rooted and grounded in the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to be moved. Watch this gospel message. This is truly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel began with Father Abraham. And they said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. You read that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God calling out a 75-year-old man with a 65-year-old wife. With a host of servants, a rich man, also an idol worshiper. Because Abraham did not know the one true God at that time. Not until God called him and made himself known to him. And God called him out. So come on. Can you imagine that? You being your age, you all complain now. Look at Clinton talking about how tired he is that he had to work an extra shift on Friday. He ain't even 35 years old yet. Let alone 75. You're the closest, Mr. Date. (laughs) (laughs) To God be the glory. And so, he's giving them the gospel. The gospel message began when God began to speak. It is not determined by anyone else what's the gospel. The word gospel means what? Good news. All of the scriptures is good news for us. We are concerned. Okay. So God gave the gospel to Abraham by doing what? Speaking to him. Calling him out. Bringing him forth. So Stephen is establishing something here. And what you're going to see is he's going to build, 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 and build the case for Jesus. That's what this is about. This is, this is the best form of apologetics for those of you who want to be fancy with things. Apologetics is when you stand up and you fight against the world about the things of God 
and the things of Christ. Stephen is the first recorded apologetics in the scriptures here. And he's about to tell them like it is. And notice there, Junior. He's not going to pull in the punches. This is not watered down gospel. This is not make your ears itch gospel. This is not feel good gospel. This is the gospel truth that would have set them free if they'd have paid attention to it. And that's the gospel God requires every preacher to teach and every preacher to preach. Because this is what converts souls, not what you want to hear. And certainly not social feel good books coming from the pulpit. The gospel. Verse 4. Then he came out of the land of, of the Chaldeans, that's modern day Iraq, and dwelt in Haran. Haran is the northern part of Syria. Okay? And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell, the land of Israel. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Powerful statement to let you know the Palestinians don't own any of the land where they're at right now. The land belonged to Israel and Israel alone. And so he's reminding them of the promise that God had given Abraham about them. And they are not yet a nation. Not one single soul has been birthed towards the nation of Israel. And Stephen is giving them their history. And folks, if you listen to this very carefully, he's telling them God built this nation himself. And right now, not one person of the nation of Israel exists. God is establishing it first by establishing what? The land. God put his markers on the land. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. He put his markers on us. And then when we hear the gospel, guess what he does? He pierces our hearts and he convicts us of sin. And through the working of the Spirit... We yield to Jesus. There's nothing that you and I can do on our own. So God is preparing. He's marking his land, his territory. And do the same thing for you. And so, verse 6. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage or slavery. And oppressed them 400 years. God told Abraham that the children of Israel would be slaves for 400 years. Black brothers and sisters, what do you got to complain about? Hello, I said it. Look at the scriptures. Not one single black man or black woman been in slavery for 400 years. So stop complaining. 400 years in Egypt. Watch it now. And the the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, says the Lord, or says God. And after that, they shall come out 
and serve me in this place. Okay, a couple of things there. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, you can go and look at it in a future reference. That's the night in which God had told Moses, he said, look, it's this time. Put the blood on the doorpost. Put the blood on the lintel. Because I'm about to do something in Egypt. And he said, also, he said, not only am I going to strike the firstborn of the Egyptians, of every male, of every animal, from every family, whether they're foreigners or natives. He said, if you're in the land of Egypt, I'm going to strike the firstborn if I don't see the blood. And then he also said, this part that I constantly remind you all, he said, I will also cast judgment against the gods of, of Egypt. What does that mean? God said, I'm going after the demonic. I'm going after the evil, wicked spirits that's behind it. Okay? So Stephen is giving these folks a very powerful message from God. And he wants them to be aware of their heritage, where they came from. How precious they are to God. Verse 8, and then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And the Lord Jesus also was circumcised on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs known as the 12 sons of Israel, which is named the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. And so if they are listening now, they should be informed that they're not just anybody. They were birthed by the Almighty. Shelly, help me out. Turn the heat down now. And so, they're sitting in church. They're in the assembly. And a man is giving them the gospel while on trial among God's people. He's telling them like it is. In case you don't know the history, Mr. Priest, here it is. And your history is grounded in God and God alone. Period. And this is what you need to know. But does he stop there? Not at all. And the patriarchs becoming envious sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. Now famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. That means they didn't have anything to eat. The land was barren. Because when the drought came, I don't care how much you throw seeds down, it wasn't going to grow. So there was no food in the land of Canaan. There was food only where? In Egypt. You think God was setting them up? You betcha. The Holy Ghost is on the move and he's directing the path to get ready to birth this nation. Okay? Look on. Verse 12. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph was made known to his brother and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him. Seventy-five people. Keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind. Seventy-five people. 
If you do a population matrix and you look at 400 years, 75 people birthed nearly 3 million people. That's almost impossible. Statistically, that is impossible. God had to be at work. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yes. Oh, y'all not getting here looking at me like, what's he talking about? Uh-huh. Most of us don't want to take care of two kids, less known a bunch. But God made it possible that 75 people would produce millions. And do that in 400 years? That's a miracle. So God was birthing a nation of people to serve him. Now, what is the parallelism here? And it began with the 12 patriarchs. Jesus began with what? 12. And he's birthed how many now? Uh-oh. Millions upon millions of disciples into his kingdom. God knows what he's doing. And now, what an extraordinary history lesson. 75 and verse 15, so Jacob went down to Egypt and he died and he had, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money for the son of Hamar. The father of Shechem. Uh, give you a little bit of clues here. I mean, amazing mile markers here the Lord is pointing out to this nation of people. Shechem is the same place right down the road from a place called Sychar. Why Sychar should be important to you and important to me? S Y. C-H-A-R. Why should that name resonate in our hearts? Because it is the same place where the Lord went and sat near Jacob's well. In the heat of the day. And it is the same place where a woman known as the Samaritan woman came. And for the first time we see God doing something so amazing with the a woman, number one, she was biracial. She was half Jew, half Samaritan. She wasn't a, a thoroughbred. Okay? And then, her being a woman, number two, straight. And then, having had five husbands. And was shacking up. Okay? What do you call that? A woman of ear rebuke? Is that, what they, isn't that how they say it? So typically no one really wanted anything to do with them. Kind of getting off the beaten path. But Shechem was right down the road. Shechem was where Joseph was told to go look for his brothers. And they had gone a distance off to a place called Dothan. Where the angel directed Joseph past it. They went that way. And Joseph was sold into slavery. Are y'all getting that now? Mm-hmm. It's amazing little biblical geography. I'm going to help you get there. And so, the Lord is doing something here. He's reminding them 
What's going on? And so now, Clinton, this is the account that you must give when you're preaching the gospel. Notice now, Clinton and Junior, two youngest men present. I want you to know that they don't have a Bible. Stephen, is he's not standing there with the scrolls. Where is all this coming from? Holy Spirit. Right here by way of the Holy Spirit is what's been planted in him. And what's planted is going to grow and is going to produce. Okay? Amen. It is production time now. Stephen is now producing. Are you hearing me? And this is the same thing that the Lord Jesus Christ is calling for you and I to do. Stand up and be accounted. And when you're called and put on the carpet, it's time for you to produce. Amen? It's time to produce. And so... But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and dealt, excuse me, oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies. What does that mean? So that they might not live. They were throwing these, these, these all males. They were throwing them in the Nile River. If the crocodiles didn't get them, they died from the hot desert sun. Exposed me to kill. You don't think God's in control here? It's a boy, this is pretty heinous. Look at the rest of the story. Look at the rest of the story here. Verse 20. At this time Moses was born and was well pleasing to God. Do you see that? And he brought he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. People, Moses was not a dumb person. Moses had the best education that money could offer. And if you've been studying history, you find out that Egypt had the first organized library. A fire eventually would destroy it. But the Egyptians had a well-rounded education system long before we did. Okay? And they trained their people. They had the top architects in the world. The top engineers in the world. They had the top everybody. They had the best. And this man Moses who was born Hebrew. Was brought up as an Egyptian. An Egyptian royalty. That's all God's doing. Why? Because God. The nation. Basically had already been built. At this time. Okay, put the facts together, put the numbers together by looking at the time period. Moses, God will use Moses 80 years later to deliver Israel. 
So that means the nation had already been built. Am I right, Mr. David? So now God is getting ready to break the bondage, to loose Israel, to loose his nation. The mole, have you all ever done uh, pottery? After a while, in order to get your product, what you made, you got to do what? You got to get it out the what? The mole. Egypt was the mole. Israel is the product. And it was time God get his product out of the mole. And some moles, you got to do what? You got to break them. Egypt was one of those moles. God was getting ready to break them. And, and our good brother Stephen is telling them all of this. So look on a little bit further. And it tells you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 23. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffering wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brother would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are what? Brother, why do you wrong one another? But he who did, <clears throat> excuse me, but he who did his neighbor wrong pushed them away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed. Now, what did I tell you? How old is Moses now? 80, 80 years old. How old was Abraham? When God called him out. He was 75 years old. Moses is now what? Do you think maybe God got a job for you and Miss Marie? Another one? Yeah, another one. <laughs> Look how beautiful you're playing. God just called you out to come and play. And you're playing like you're 20 years old. Now, so this man is 80 years old and you think he's, you, you think that he's going to tell God, I can't do it, I'm too old? Mm-mm. So for 40 years, he's been preparing, God has been preparing Moses in the wilderness. Okay? And here's the thing. Moses grew up near Mount Sinai. Moses herded sheep all around that mountain. What do you think he was doing when God appeared? In a burning bush at the base of the mountain. What do you think Moses was? He was shepherding. And what was Moses about to do? He was about to shepherd an entire nation of people. And I told you in the Greek, the word shepherd and, and pastor is the same Greek word. Moses was about to shepherd or become the first pastor over the nation of Israel. <laughs> You see God hands all over there. Are y'all understanding this now? Are you getting this? What God is doing? He had appointed a man over his people. And God had prepared the man in the courts of the Egyptians. And then in the school of hard knocks in the wilderness. Okay. 
Moses was already a hard-working man back in Egypt. He was no lazy man. And then he learned humility by becoming a shepherd. Because he had to end up picking up sheep and carrying them just like Lord Jesus would. And he had to be patient with them. He was learning humility because he would have to be patient with who? People. People. So you think God got a plan for your life? Look at what you can do now. And watch God use it for his glory. Moving right along. Moving right along. So, this Egyptian is mad. Moses gets kind of scared. He flees. Goes in the land of Midian. Marries. Uh, just in case you don't know it, the land of Midian is in Africa. And the people Moses is living with, they're black. Because in the book of Numbers, you would see there where Moses' brother and sister got mad because Moses was married to a black woman. And God called them out on it. Say, come here. You three meet me in the tent of meetings. Study your scriptures. Look at it. So when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. An angel of the Lord is another what? Way of saying that God appeared. Okay? God sent himself to Moses. And essentially, God and Jesus went and talked with Moses at the burning bush. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Because remember Jesus' statement to the Jews, he said, before Abraham was, I what? I am. So I am is about to talk to Moses at the bush. Jesus is about to talk to Moses. Because before he became Jesus in the flesh, he was who? God. In the spirit. He didn't have a fleshly body. He was spirit. Okay? And so, when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to Azurb, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared look. Uh, that would be the same declaration that Jesus himself would use in John chapter 13 by saying that when God told Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he said, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You know what Jesus just told his people? He said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive in the spirit world with God. And at this point, if you are the high priest and you're the other chief priest, because remember now, there was a high priest, there was chief priest and a regular priest. Okay? And Levites, all in the temple. And, and, and then, not only that, they have a hostile crowd that's holding Stephen hostage in front of the high priest. And they're all getting a history lesson by this man. 
as the Holy Spirit began to speak through Stephen, and he's walking him down through the corridor of time, showing what God has done. And he's walking him up, okay, Israel is now a nation of people, but they have not yet been delivered. But God is about to do something. And the high priest is the one who's supposed to be reiterating this to the people of God. This was his job to give this history lesson to the nation of Israel. It was his job. Once Stephen had started, he should have stood up and said, yeah, our brother's right. Okay? He's supposed to reinforce it because that's the job of the high priest. He's not going to let the people forget what God has done. Because God said certain things you got to do as a memorial to me. Otherwise, I don't want you to forget them. Amen. Same thing what Jesus did with the Last Supper. He said, do this as often as you what? Remember me. Don't forget what I've done. So, who's now being neglectful? Who's now committing a crime against God? The high priest is. Letting on his little plunk is all around him. But he is. He should have stood up and took over. Because obvious, the people were ignorant. They had forgotten about what God had done. And how God had built them as a nation of people from nothing. And the man of God, standing there with the Holy Ghost in him. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because folks, the Old Testament is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's standing and he's telling them. And he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed. And so, look at verse 33. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. You read that in Exodus chapter 3. He said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Awesome. Other words... Salvation is about to come to the Israelites. Not salvation as you and I understand salvation of eternal life, but salvation also means in the very sense of the word, means to be rescued. So Israel is about to be rescued. And these people should have been up and applauding God going, Yeah! Yes! This is what our God did for us. And the same thing you and I, when somebody starts talking about Jesus, you should go, yeah, amen. Let the world know that you belong to who? Jesus. And you signify by joining in. You know how many Christians, when I'm out in the streets telling people about Jesus, walk right on by, won't he holler, amen, brother. Every now and then I get one or two stops. Yeah, amen, brother. Yeah, that's right. Or come over and join in the conversation. They acknowledge who their Savior is, who their Lord is. And they acknowledge the work that I'm standing there doing. Anybody ever had that happen? You've had it happen. Where sometimes saints will stop in and say, yeah, way to go, bro. Okay. And others, they just keep walking just as if they were. And sometimes go, Lord, son, so he's a deacon in the church. Just walk by and open his mouth. So, okay. But we just got to pray for people like that. And Stephen, I don't know how long he's been standing, but he is giving a gospel that literally going to change the lives of some people that's listening. Mm 
Let's move on. Verse 35. This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Other word, God. He brought them out, and after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, and in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness forty years. Stephen just, do you know what Stephen just did? Stephen said that Moses performed miracles. Moses performed signs and wonders. Did he not? Yes. And it wasn't Jesus' disciple. But yet God gave him by the Spirit the same power. And Stephen himself, the word tells us in chapter 6, that Stephen performed signs and wonders and miracles just like Moses. So you see, folks, it doesn't matter what area you're in. If you're serving the living God, God is going to move on you. And you're going to do things beyond what you can normally do. Okay? Y'all look like a bunch of tired folks today. I know this is one of those messages that don't have you up and running down the aisle. Amen. Hallelujah. But you can if you want to. Amen. And that's right, Miss Marie. You can give God some glory. Wake up, everybody. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brother. Him you shall hear. And you read that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting at verse 15. Okay. Do you know what just happened in the text as, as, as Stephen is proclaiming the gospel to them? For the very first time there in that very statement that I just read, Stephen just said, Moses spoke about the Messiah. Every one of them should have known that from Deuteronomy 18.15. When Moses said, God will raise up a prophet just like me, he was talking about Jesus. And remember when the children, when Jesus had those disciples up in Castle Philippi, and he asked them, who do men say that I am? And they went, the first thing one of them said, that prophet? Who do you think they were referring back to? What Moses had said. Okay? And when you're able to connect the pieces of the puzzle by the Spirit, you'll get the big picture. And let me tell you, it's extraordinary when you see it in your mind. And Stephen is standing there and he's giving them all these little nuggets. And every last one of them, if they'd have known their history, should have been able to look and say, Oh man, he's on to something. Somebody get, Oh, why we got this man standing in front of us right now? But they were so enraged at him because they were walking in the flesh. Instead of being mindful of the things of God, they were mindful of the things of men. Instead of being influenced by the spirit of God, they were influenced by the spirit of Satan. And the evidence is clear here. Because everything that this man has said refutes the lie that they have brought against him, that he was speaking evil against Moses and against the law. Because what do you think he's doing now? He's speaking highly of Moses and he's speaking highly of the law. Amen. So how could that alone, his testimony alone, should have said somebody's lying? But it's not happening. You know why? Because it was God's destiny for Stephen to come home that day. But after he do this last work, Jesus had one last thing for Stephen to do. And it was like, in your face kind! <laughs> With the religious leaders of Israel. Because folks, let me tell you something. That day is recorded in heaven. 
And if they do not repent of their sin and become a follower of Jesus Christ, that day will be played back to them. And Stephen will stand as a witness against them. You know what Moses told, I'm sorry, you know what Moses told the children of Israel before they entered the promised land? He said, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. The skies don't miss anything. And the earth contains everything. So, brother, if he's called heaven and earth as a testimony against you, there's no way you're going to escape the wrath of God. This man now have the recorder of God writing down and recording everything he's telling them. How would you like that to be you? Every time you go to somebody and you share the gospel message with them about Lord Jesus, God has a recorder and is writing it down. You have books in heaven. Read Revelation chapter 20. It says, and the book was open, which is the book of life. And then what it says, Deke, and the books were open. In other words, there's something different than this book. And there's something in these other books that you don't want read. If you're not in this book, you better hope these books go away. Because your life has been recorded in these other books. So folks, that day, as well as this day, it's being recorded. God doesn't miss anything. His scribes doesn't miss a stroke. They catch everything. And their ears don't miss a word. And the Holy Spirit doesn't miss a thought. You know, our very thoughts, Jesus says. It is. So he's giving it to him. Now, look a little closer. Verse 38. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. Once again, the angel here represents God. And with our fathers, the one who received the living articles or what's another word for articles? Law. In English, we call them ordinances. This is another way of saying laws. So now, what did Paul, I mean, what did Stephen just give them? Once again, as I just told you a few minutes ago, he just gave you a wonderful testimony about the man Moses, yes? Now he just spoke specifically about the law. The very thing that they said he blasphemed against. Who you think now is fighting this battle? Who do you think now is defending Stephen? The Holy Spirit is. Because the very thing that they spoke out against him about is being rebutted. Right now. This is the kind of argument from God. This is the, you know, when you have a defense attorney, he counters what the prosecution is saying. Am I right, Mr. David? In order to get you off the hook. Well, the people don't realize, Crystal, it is they that are now on trial. And it's now Stephen now is standing in the position as prosecutor for God. 
And Stephen is now saying, this is the evidence against you. All along, they thought they was out doing what? Getting him. When in fact, Stephen just built the case against them. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see this? It's very, very clear. And their problem with ignoring them because they're so angry right now. And so, in verse, let's, let's just go now here and look at verse 39. Whom our father would not obey, but rejected. Otherwise, they didn't, they didn't receive the word of God. They rejected it, just like they are right now. Things hadn't changed. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Uh, folks, look, look just in, within the writings there. When it said, give us gods, they just asked for demon influence back over them. And you know what? The men sitting in that, 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 that mock trial against Stephen right now don't realize that they just invoke the demon world to be upon them. Do you see that? Because mm-hmm. remember, back in Exodus twelve twelve, God said, I will cast judgment against the gods of Egypt. Here, they did. They asked to make us gods, right? They wanted the spirit world to be back over them. And these folks who are sitting there against Stephen is now under the same demonic influence. If you're not getting the truth, you're going to get a lie. And if you're receiving a lie, you're receiving the demonic. Because in John chapter 8, Jesus says, Satan is the father of a lie. He's the father of all lies. Why? Because he has lied from the beginning. In other words, that's where lies come from. The demonic influence. Open your eyes and ears to what God is telling us. Amen? Sir? She said as politicians, I was thinking, I said to her, I was thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> well, doesn't matter what their position in life is, if you're a liar, guess what? You're under satanic influence, right? Wow. Oh. And they made a, a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Molech, which is a, a, a false god, and the star of your god Remphim. Images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Wow. So they had set themselves up these false idols. Well, not false idols, but true idols, but false gods. Okay, to worship rather than the one true God. And Paul himself would do the same. He would tell them the same thing in Romans chapter 1. As he wrote his letter to the church in Rome, he said, listen, they reject the image of the one true God and brought themselves in and made images of beasts, birds of the air and four footed animals and all. You remember reading that? He said, basically, you, you haven't changed. 
And Stephen is standing before this crowd. Here's the thing that you got to understand. An idol doesn't necessarily have to be a stone. It doesn't have to be a carved image. Okay? It could be a man. Because remember back in Egypt, the Pharaoh considered himself a what? Yeah. So, it can be a man. Remember, that's one of the things that got King Herod, Herod the Great, in trouble. He got up to speak and the people said, oh boy, he's a god. Instead of Herod quieting him, he, yeah, no, give me, give me, give me. And God struck him. Bam! And the worms ate him alive because of it. Instead of giving glory back to God, he took it for himself. Cost him his life. And so men can put themselves in position of idols. What do you think maybe some of these men were doing? Because they refused the one true God by refusing his son Jesus. And said, our way is the way. When you put yourself in a position to say, God, your way is wrong, but my way is right. What do you just put yourself as? As a God. Because after all, did it not get Satan in trouble? Did that not get Lucifer in trouble? He said, I will ascend to the, to the mountain of God and, and have a throne like God. And I want to be like God and I want to receive worship like God. Don't y'all remember reading that? If you don't, go to Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. Go and read them. You'll see. And so, here we have it. This is what you and I are called to do. To give the people the truth. Okay, our fathers had the tabernacle witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructed Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it, turned also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? And and, and listen. The men of God, the people of God, respected King David. And they knew David was a godly man. Regardless of his own sins and iniquity, David still loved God. And David did not wickedly depart from the living God. Okay? So don't judge people because they commit sin and say, oh, he doesn't belong to God. God knows the heart. Okay? These folks right about now should have been weeping with repentance. Because what this brother is bringing back to them, this is the account in which you have to bring people to. You have to remind people that along the way, God put protected measures in place for the gospel. God got the name of Jesus in every generation since the cross. From Calvary to now, the name of Jesus is in place. There's not one generation in which God skipped. And things have happened where men and women of God have been sacrificed for the word of God to make sure the word of God go from generation to generation. William Tyndale, the first one to give us a written, the English written copy of the Bible. He was burned at the stakes for it. 
and warns Germany. Read it out by his own friend in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church burned William Tyndale to death because he gave the word of God in English to common people. And the Catholic Church claim was only the priests supposed to have the word of God and be able to read it and understand it. Kind of like a Pharisee and religious Sadducees and Herodians type mentality, yes? But the man of God is standing there giving them what they need. They are being taught now and trained in the things of God. The very job they're supposed to be doing, Stephen is standing there doing it for them. And they should be ashamed of themselves. Nobody should have to do your job for you. Your job and my job is to be just as sharp in the scriptures as Stephen is. Why? Because it's hard pressed to find an American right now that cannot read. There's no excuse for it. And it's hard pressed to find that if you can't find a hardback dictionary, well, we got some on the shelves behind that curtain there. But you can pick up your little iPhone or your Android and you can type in Mr. as my son, so a man named Google and look it up. Or you can talk it. Or you can talk it. If you're lazy, like Shelly. <laughs> but in either case, it'll come forth. Amen? And you're able to go forth and study the word of God. And if you don't understand something, we got these little, oh, oh, these funny looking things called cell phones again. Or you can send a text message and say, hey, Junior, uh, what does this mean? And if he doesn't know the answer, he oh, hold on, I'll get right back to you. Hey, Pastor Sammy, uh, what, what's that? It's Max to have your phone. Yeah, Max to have your phone. <laughs> but, and either way it goes, we're able to get the answer from somebody, somewhere. Amen? Mm-hmm. Even if you're at the Facebook of brother in the Philippines, I've done that before. Or halfway around the world in Japan, somewhere. And we talk about God. And you were sending answers back and forth to each other halfway around the world. In a matter of seconds. So there's no excuse not to be like Stephen. Well rooted and grounded in the word of God. So when the time comes, you're able to stand up and say, Thus said the Lord God by the son Jesus. This is what Jesus Christ, the son of God, did. And this is what I'm able to do. And, and in spite of what political correctness tell you, you say, this is the truth of the gospel. This is the gospel that cannot be changed. For God said, I change not. The gospel didn't change. But the moment it changes, it's no longer the gospel. It's a lie. Do know that. And it's not this stuff. And, and people, I, I just got to throw this nugget out there. And we're getting ready to close here. I got to throw it out there. You got to understand this. It's nothing wrong with reading social feel-good books from pastors or other Christians that write them. Those things are okay, but they have their place. They're never, ever supposed to take the place of the gospel. Bring forth your best moment, your, your best day now. Let me tell you, all those things are good and they're okay. But when you come to church on Sundays, you're supposed to get the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Period. And I'm more than convinced, the more I get up and prepare a sermon with my name on it and my title on it, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the gospel of Sammy Nelson. 
That's why I tell you, when you come in here, you're going to get the gospel of God and God alone. I don't have a sermon title to give you. God already gave it one. I don't have to put together a sermon. God already wrote it. And I don't have the power to preach it. The Holy Ghost got the power to preach it. It's there. When you give the gospel in its purity, it is what changes men and women's lives and boys and girls. It is what draws you to the throne of grace in the presence of God. It is the one that calls you to kneel down to Jesus. Here I am, I'm a sinner. Oh Lord, I don't feel good today. My tummy hurt. And God said, I got it. Boom, and touching your heel. This is the gospel with all the power of Jesus. That's what it is. And a while back, the Holy Ghost said, stop writing your sermons. Because the sermons have been prepared. And that's what you're getting. And that's what Stephen is giving them. The sermon had been prepared by God. And as he had told his children in the book of uh, Jeremiah, chapter 29, chapter 31 to 33, I have written my word up on the table of your hearts. And he said, on that day, according to uh, uh, Isaiah, he said, on that day, no man need to say to his neighbor, thus said the Lord. But the Lord's testimony has been written on his heart by the Lord himself. Wow. And you don't think Jesus did that with Paul? And you will see that later on in Acts chapter 9. As we get ready to close out, and somebody can warn Miss Nelson, eight minutes. I know this is one of those messages that's hard to stay awake and we're pressing forward. It's hard in here. We're hungry. Last night was boring. But guess what? It's the gospel truth. This is the gospel that you need to know. That somebody paid a price so that you can know the truth. And this is one of the somebodies. Because God had Luke to write about it. And it was important then. It's important now. Verse 51. And listen what Stephen says. And this is what's got him in trouble even more. You stiff necks. That's what he called them. You stiff necks. And uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Do you think that brother fired up right now? He was gentle with him earlier. Okay, when he gave him the history lesson. Now he's dog mad at him. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. That's the Messiah, Jesus. Of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers. Who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept them. Did I tell you Stephen went from being defended to prosecutor? Yeah. Who just got set up? They're thinking they're setting him up. He just set them up in the eyes of God. And he just slammed them. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. That means they were mad. And they gashed at him with their teeth. Mr. David, you, you and I both have arrested some very deranged people, haven't we? That they're so angry that they're, 
they bite their, their, their lips and, and gash their lips open. They're so angry. And if they can get a hold of it, they'll chew you up like raw meat. And take you everything, you another officer, everything within you to restrain somebody like that. Because... But I think I knew just yelling back at him. Well, I went back and, and, and looked at the, the true meaning of this. That they were so angry, they were like rabid dogs that trying to get to raw meat. That that's how they they and it was up close in his face, ready to just rip his skin off, just ready to just devour him. That's how angry they were. And when you get people like that, I don't care what kind of gospel you give them from Jesus, it's not going to stop them. No reason. Because their hearts are made up. That's why I tell you all, and I've told brothers and sisters in the past, when you get to certain people and they tell you get out of their face, they don't want anything to do with you and your Jesus, what do you think you need to be doing? Have a nice day. Don't stand there and argue with them. Because now you're casting your pearls before swines and Jesus says when you cast your pearls before swine they're going to turn and do what to you he said they're going to turn and rend you in the King James or the word rend means to tear they're going to tear you to pieces otherwise it's not going to be healthy for you okay so you just need to simply walk away this is one of those moments Stephen was there by the Holy Spirit not everybody's called to face a hostile crowd like this but if you're being led by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost planted Stephen's feet right where he was, Junior. And he was not going to be moved. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ has called you. Sometimes people say, Miss Marie, need to shut up. Sometimes the Holy Ghost said, don't shut up, daughter. They need to hear it. They need to hear this. And you need to press forward. Well, I'm going to lose my job. If you lose that job, you don't think God is able to give you another one? If you're doing what he told you to do? And so, now they're just that man. And this is what they want to do to him. Verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, otherwise he's, the Holy Ghost got him now. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Oh boy, I bet that really made him mad. I assure you, at this point, Crystal, they're saying he's out of his mind. He's lost all of his marvels. And he got to be stopped. And so, verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. This is another fascinating statement. They did this. They didn't want to hear it. But who did they just shut out? God. You bet you. To shut out the Lord Jesus Christ, too. They no longer want to hear the truth. The truth that would have set them free. They close their ears to it. Meaning they just close their ears to the kingdom of who? 
kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. They just told God, I don't want anything to do with your son Jesus. And then, they all screamed like a bunch of demons with one voice. And they bum rushed him. They overpowered this brother. Now this is where they also violated Rome's law. Watch what they do. As we, as we close out. Look at this. They ran with him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. A lot of people have died in heat of passions. Am I right? This crowd is so inflamed. They have forgotten that Rome said that in order for anybody to be killed, it must be brought before the governor. Whatever Stephen did to them, it was so outraged that they would ignore the Romans. Now that's pretty bad, isn't it? But this thing far exceeds Roman occupation control over them. They violated God. They persecuted Jesus that day. That's who they went after. When they grabbed that man of God and they took him out to the edge of the city and they and, and also as I studied they didn't pick up little stones like this that you throw at somebody. They picked up boulders. And when they hit this man, they crushed bones in his body. And they crushed his skull. They crushed his face in. That's how angry they were. They just kept beating him and beating him down with those stones. And I know, and this is you need to hear, the blood of the cross that leaked from Jesus our Lord, that spilled from him, were now spilling out of Stephen. They didn't just spill Stephen's blood. They spilled the blood of Jesus in Stephen. Are you hearing me? And you know what kind of scene this now looking like, don't you? It's very gory, isn't it, Mr. David? How would you like to put the little markers down with all those blood splats? Because when you crush somebody like that, I mean, it's gone. It is a mess. All because he told them the truth. The truth about Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Walked them up from history. Told them what God the Father had done for them. And they didn't want it. They wanted to continue to believe in the lies. They continued to want to believe in the religious establishment rather than believe in Jesus. And as we close out with this last thought. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul. Who do you think that is? 
the apostle would be the apostle Paul. He's been hell on wheels all along, hadn't he? When Jesus, when you read in Matthew's book, the closing of right before the crucifixion, Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. He said, when you go and make, he said, you cross seas to make one proselyte. You know what a proselyte is? A proselyte is a Gentile that's converted to Judaism. He said, when you go out searching and you find one, you make him two times the child of hell than yourself. Well, they made one out of Paul, didn't they? Boy, that joke was something else. He was the worst bounty hunter there was in Israel. And he stood there consenting to the death of Stephen. Get him. He did serve to die. And later would go on a witch hunt. Not a witch hunt, Lord forgive me. But a hunt for Christians. To do the same thing to them. That man was something else. Y'all don't know what kind of man this, this one was. That's why Ananias said, Lord, do you remember what this man did to your people? And so, when you got the nature of Jesus in you, when you got the spirit of Jesus in you, and even on your deathbed when you're being martyred, the very nature of Jesus will come out of you. Look at Stephen as we close out with this. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I know I was long-winded. Sorry. But you need to know the price. Not only did God pay that price on the cross, but His children are paying the price too. And in the 21st century, it hasn't changed. Amen? Amen. You're right there. It hasn't changed. And it's going to get worse in this country. Alright, every hit Miss Miss Vicky, can you play and we'll, we'll close out in prayer. Y'all gave God five extra minutes of your day, didn't you? But God gives you every minute of your life. Amen. And so it says in at the beginning of verse chapter eight in verse one that Paul consented to the death of Stephen. Boy, but he don't know what Jesus has in store for him right around the corner. <laughs> Amen. Every head bow, we're we'll closing prayer. <coughs> Father, we thank you so much for your living word. What a heartfelt story, a story of truth. Lord Jesus, that you had Luke to record for us. And the price that Stephen paid is the same price that you told us we got to be willing to pay. If so, you bring us to that moment. 
And we're praying that the Holy Spirit will prepare us, Lord, to be like Stephen, regardless how people feel about us, regardless how the religious establishment feel about us. We got to tell people the truth. And your word is truth. Not what we feel, but what you feel and what you had written. That's what we got to tell people. And so, Lord, we're asking you in Jesus' name, Father, make us like Stephen today. Help us to go forth from this moment forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, I made Mr. David a celebrity around the world. <laughs> Great.